jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! You know, Anthony... Mm-hmm. Two of our greatest thinkers mm. of all time, right? Mm. Uh, Socrates, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Madonna. Oh, yes. Right, right, right there next to. They both said an unexamined life is not worth living. Right. Have I been examining my life? Of course I have. What else is there to do? <laughs> it's not much. Not much else to do. <laughs> Uh, so I was in my kitchen and I looked at my refrigerator and I have this predilection, passion, penchant. I don't know. I have this weird thing it's a where <laughs> it's some something some P word for fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, I take my movie tickets. Remember movies? Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I take my movie tickets and I stick them on my refrigerator. Okay. I, I don't know why I do this. It's you, not as if I needed to remember that I saw Suspiria. You like a fire hazard. Maybe that's it. I love the fire hazard. I love living on the edge. <laughs> yeah, she's dangerous. Yeah. First I soak them in oil. <laughs> And then I light a candle (laughs) just to see what happens. Well, it's you put all the candles on the Christmas tree, German style, next to the oil soaked refrigerator full of paper. Yeah, the Christmas tree I haven't watered in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, when I move or whatever, they all go in the garbage. It's not as if I'm. But it's like a living scrapbook. I don't know why I do. Yeah. I really don't know why. However, it got me thinking. If I started killing people for pleasure, <laughs> I think this I think this indicates that I would be the type who would collect body parts. Trophies. I'd have trophies. <laughs> right? Would I have ears stuck to my refrigerator instead of movie tickets? Also Maybe. covered in oil next to your Christmas tree. <laughs> also dipped in oil next to my German Christmas tree. Maybe. <laughs> right? Someday I would be a House of Horrors headline <laughs> when they come in and they find all my Tupperware full of fingers and, I don't know, eyeballs. Thank you for keeping it in Tupperware. I appreciate the commitment to organization and murder. I'm an organized lady. Yeah. Right? But don't you think that indicates that, maybe? I think so. I think, yeah, because, you know, you're a a mementoist, a a memorabilia enthusiast, right? Right, right. And I I noticed that, too. I've been, you know, trying to take back some control of my life in these trying unprecedented times and so i've been reorganizing everything and cleaning like a a, a mad person and i i said oh what's this 
that is very necessary on my vanity where I get ready for shows that I don't do anymore. But what's this that is very necessary? Oh, this pile of movie tickets. And I I similarly had all my Suspiria movie tickets there and my Birds of Prey movie tickets and my The Last Jedi movie tickets. And yeah. I said to myself, what do I do with these? Right. <laughs> like, so I think... If, if you hold on to it for no necessary reason, you just throw it in a pile, maybe that is a shade, a, a, sh- a foreshadowing of a murderous <laughs> legacy to come. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. You can turn <laughs> them into necklaces. Like, you could have the necklace of The teeth movie tickets? Or ears. Oh! Oh, you... It. Well, yeah, also the movie tickets, but you can wear a <laughs> necklace of Suspiria tickets. <laughs> That's probably a portrait of a lady on fire. On a little red string. Oh, that'd be so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Well, also, then, it's my Kabbalah. creative side, you know, I do enjoy a handicraft. Mm-hmm. With hands. Actual yeah. Hands. I mean, would I go full Ed Gein? <laughs> and have a lot of lamps around the house? They don't talk about his craftiness enough. I mean, gross, yes. Horrible, yes. But you. You know, it's a craftsmanship. He knew his way around a cross stitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just uh, I just had that thought. I was like, would I have the house full of body parts from all my victims? And would I be like, oh, I remember. <laughs> that earlobe takes me back. <laughs> right. Maybe. I would, like, collect their driver's licenses or something, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, keep, keep, I I feel like I would want the teeth, maybe. Teeth would be good. Because you could, I feel like they're, you could, you could use them as, like, tile, little tile, like a backsplash out of teeth. I would make mosaics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, or, like, shell art. You could make a little, like, (laughs) a, like that, like, but a nativity out of teeth, because it's holiday, keep a theme. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just, uh, just a thought I had. Should this go on the air? Probably not. (laughs) I said if I start killing people for pleasure. Oh, right, right, right. I didn't say I've been killing people for pleasure. Or when you start killing people. Or when I'm going to. It was an if. Would I have, I mean, would I be like the wrong turn people? Didn't they have like a box full of eyeglasses and shit? They had it everywhere. It was so, Conmari would walk in there. Oh, yeah. And she would say, okay, sit down, calm down, breathe. Yeah. They need some help. Yeah. She would say, you know, personally, I don't keep more than 30 glass eyes in my house. And then everybody on the internet would be like, did you see that? She said, we can't collect glass eyes anymore. Con Murray hates glass eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for seeing me with your yes. glass eyes. <laughs> I, I get so mad at everyone that gets mad at Kanmari. That's the hill I'm ready to die on. Well, it's just a, a misinterpretation. It's a misinterpretation people don't understand. She is no. only here to save humanity, much like Cardi B. <sighs> well. Are you feeling festive? I'm feeling super festive, clearly. <laughs> You're looking toward your murderous future (laughs) potential murderous future i would like to point out i'm not a hoarder i don't have stuff everywhere this is just a weird thing that i do concert tickets 
movie tickets, I stick them on the refrigerator. And I don't know why I do it, but I do it. But they're on the refrigerator. They're not all over the floor or whatever. Specifically the fridge. Specifically the fridge. I like that you issue this disclaimer so that... um that people know that there aren't raccoons buried under the tickets. Right. Exactly. Thank you. You don't That's have to create walkways yeah. through the tickets. I am a Grey Gardens in spirit only. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I know. Well, it's December. It is time to be festive, right? Everybody feels festive this year. What a great the year. The holidays are here, Stacy, because they said... Baby Jesus up in heaven said, Lord, Father God, how can I make this year more exciting for everyone? <laughs> Let's bring back the holidays. We watched, okay, we, here's how dark the holidays have become. Last night I got possessed and I said, Jason, <laughs> Jason, we have to watch Last Christmas. Um, I don't know how much you know about this movie. Oh, that's the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This movie, Stacy, it's not good. Um, it's also not even. It's it's so bizarre that, but it's almost not bizarre enough to make it anything special beyond the fact that it's just as insane as it actually is. Would you explain it to the people who don't know? This is going to be a spoiler-filled explanation for the people that don't know about the hit film Last Christmas, which came out last Christmas. Uh, uh, so trust that you're going to have the spoil for you but it's the reason why you're going to watch the movie it's why I watched the movie because I had it spoiled for me Last Christmas is a film starring Emilia Clarke of television's Game of Thrones in which she works she wor- she she's an unsuccessful actress who works at a, a Christmas shop that's run by Michelle Yeoh who mm. is a woman named Santa who is not actually, in fact, Santa. She's just a Christmas enthusiast who has named herself Santa. <laughs> Patty Lupone shops there. Um, and Amelia Clark is dealing with having a, a rough life. Like, her mom is Emma Thompson, who is a Yugoslavian immigrant who also wrote the movie. I don't know why Emma Thompson wrote this movie. What in the fucking magnetic poetry <laughs> hell? It's literally, Emma Thompson got on her magnetic poetry and was like, George Michael, uh, Patty Lupone, um, oh, Michelle Yeoh is named Santa. Like, it's so insane. And then to make things even weirder, she fall- it's a Christmas romance. So she meets this guy. They have a meet cue. They keep finding each other and falling in love. And then at a certain point in the movie, you find out that the man that she's in love with is a ghost. And she had a heart transplant last Christmas. And she got his heart. And she's been dating the ghost of the man with the heart that she took. Mm, makes sense. Because this movie, Stacy, is inspired by the music of George Michael, including the hit song Last Christmas, in which the lyrics say, Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> and Michelle Yeoh is a woman named Santa, <laughs> just like in the song. <laughs> so that's now, what I did. See, I didn't think that was anything I needed to see. <laughs> Until you said Michelle Yeoh is a woman named Santa. (laughs) Dude, she is the best part of the movie. Yeah, well, that goes without saying, but she always is. It's later revealed that she's a grifter also. (laughs) Okay. And and she just changes her name according to whatever business she's running. To whatever holiday is near. Yes! (laughs) So, it's on HBO Max. You might need to watch it. (laughs) 
I think I do. It's actually. really bad. I'm just here for that B plot. <laughs> oh, also, also, you're supposed to love Amelia Clark, even though she, there's nothing interesting about her. Like, mm. I, I don't know anything about the actress. Like, she, I like her fine as an actress based on what I saw, but the character, she's like just kind of an asshole. And and then we later find out she's an asshole because she had a heart transplant. I don't know why, but that's like that's her only <laughs> character trait. So she's an asshole because she had a heart transplant. And literally, the ghost starts dating her. They never say why he just shows up and starts dating her. But I'm convinced he starts dating her because because she has his heart. He wants her to be a good person. And so mm. he has to show up and teach her how to not be an asshole. And so among the many reasons why we're supposed to fall in love with her character is at one point she has a lesbian sister, but the sister is not out to her immigrant parents. At mm. one point they get in a fight at dinner and Amelia Clark outs her fucking lesbian <gasps> sister to her parents. <laughs> and then they like get over at the next scene and they're fine at dinner and happy. But it's like, she's a horrible person. She, she gets, she doesn't close up Michelle Yeoh's Santa shop and that gets broken into. And Michelle Yeoh still keeps her around. She outs her lesbian sister and she dates a fucking ghost. And it's a Christmas romance by Emma Thompson from the director of Bridesmaids. <laughs> I need to see this movie. You have to watch it. <laughs> like, I gave away everything about the movie. But I don't care. That's why I watched it, because someone told me this exact stuff. And then I said, I want to go to there. <laughs> I knew the bonkers heart stuff. But it's all the little side things that you're telling me. Emma Thompson is a Yugoslavian. <laughs> Lesbian sister. Santa yo. Christmas outing. Christmas outing. <laughs> Grifter Michelle Yo as Santa. Oh. She, I'm going to tell you, Michelle Yo is fucking incredible in the movie. Her costumes are perfection. She doesn't even really, she, she dresses like, like a haunted doll kind of. Like. <laughs> Anthony! <laughs> I can only get so horny! <laughs> You would think she would dress like, you would think she would dress like, um, Santa, right? But like, she has like, she'll she'll wear like a soft green or like a pale reddish pink. Like, so she'll wear like almost Christmas adjacent tones, Mm. but then otherwise her clothes are like haunted doll as styled by, um, the matronly section of Forever 21. Like, it's (laughs) fascinating. She's amazing. Watch it for her. I think I'm going to, actually. <laughs> I will report back next episode. It's not good. <laughs> I, well, I don't expect it to be, but it sounds amazing. It is. Even as even as bizarre and bad and not exciting enough as it could be with that horrible plot, it is so weird. <laughs> Just yeah. the fact that it exists. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Come for Less. the d- ghost dating. Yeah. Heart transplant stay for Michelle Yeoh. Right. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for for taking that risk. Yeah, that's my my seasonal tip for all of you (laughs) who are trying to... Christmas gift to all of us. Find the the ghosts of Christmas. There they are. Wow. Okay. (laughs) 2020 is suddenly looking up. Yeah, see? (laughs) Baby Jesus knew Christmas would help us. Right. Hmm. I'm going to light up some frankincense. Yeah, you're gonna need it. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in. Yeah, you'll need a whole 
a whole blunt of frankincense to get through this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Well... We're not, uh, unfortunately, we're not here to talk about that movie. For oh, now. we're not? <laughs> no. That's all my notes are about last Christmas. It's, Star Michelle it's, kind of, it's kind of all I want to talk about. And I haven't even seen it. No, we are here to talk about uh, The Shining. Another which, holiday classic. Another holiday classic, wintertime fun fest. Um, this, I would like to point out, was an Anthony Hudson pick. Anthony Hudson, who has gone on the record as being like, no, 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 grumbling about it. <laughs> That's what the record says. So to- <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, for some reason, you were struck after our Salem's Lot episode and said uh, you felt like some shining. Multiple times on this show, as you've noted, I have crap screamed about The Shining and my dislike of it. Um... And yes, after the last episode that Stephen King, it's that thing, even though he is the fucking Taco Bell of horror, and I respect yeah. it, I love a Crunchwrap Supreme, I do, something triggered me, and then I just started thinking, and then I started thinking about, like, I did my Stephen King chopping block category, and then I started thinking about how much I didn't like Dr. Sleep, and how much everybody else liked it, and how I just thought it was dumb, and why did Elliot from E.T. play Jack Nicholson? And... But then I just kept thinking, I really think I need to watch The Shining and reevaluate it, you know, because I hadn't seen it since I was like a teenager. Wow. Or early 20s at the latest. Like, I don't I haven't seen this movie for ages. Um, So I said, let's do it. And we did it. We did it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everybody has an opinion on The Shining. Here's my opinion on The Shining. The words Shelley Duvall appear on the screen. And that's all. You know, I am glad that she's kind of has been reassessed. That some people are finally reassessing Shelley Duvall, particularly this performance. Mm -hmm. Um, Very late to the game. (laughs) All these people, I say, thank you for finally catching up. All right. I've been, I unfriended someone on Facebook because <laughs> they talked shit about Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Oh, that is instant grounds for dismissal. Yeah, I was like, I don't need you. I don't need you or your opinions. Instant, instant, instant out. You're done. Yeah. She's perfect. Shelley, okay. Okay, <laughs> Stacey, can I get real with you? You can get absolutely real. So I watched the movie. I'm really excited to talk about it because I have a lot of different reads. I still don't like The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't think I like the movie that everyone else sees. Mm. When Well, I don't know. The Horror Bros. I don't know. I am, just as I know I always am with her performances, I'm once again so taken by her in this film. Oh, Wendy God. Torrance is a goddamn icon queen, living legend, and maintenance man um, of the ages. Maintenance right? woman of the ages. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. Um, it's like there's two fucking movies here. There's the movie that is the cover with Jack Nicholson and all that stuff and Danny and all that. And then there's Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. And so I am torn because I think there's some brilliant feminist thing happening with Shelley Duvall. And then there's the rest of the movie. Um, and I'm almost done. (laughs) No, go on, keep going. And then I came out of this movie, and I 
I've asked this question every time I've ever seen a performance of hers, but Jason and I were waiting for our ramen at the food cart with our masks, thank you very much, standing two shopping carts distance away from everyone else. And we said to each other, is Shelley Duvall the greatest actress of the 20th century? Sure. Thank you. That was my question. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) I'm very torn on this movie. She is fucking incredible in it. She is absolutely incredible. I know that, like, for me, Three Women is, like, her greatest performance. But Wendy Torrance is, like, right next to her in the car. Man. You know what I mean? It is so close. It just, it really, like, I know Stephen King doesn't like this version of Wendy. And she is different than book Wendy, sure. But when people, and, like, the person I unfriended on Facebook, when they start talking about how Wendy is weak, and she's this, and it's not a feminist, and I'm just like, what fucking movie are you watching? She is a hero. She is a fucking She's the hero. hero. She's the hero of this movie. She is so strong. And just because she is scared doesn't mean she is not incredibly strong and doing everything she can to save herself and her son. Period. Period. Never mind that she's keeping the fucking Overlook running while her dickhole husband is sitting at the typewriter all day. Thank you. She's cooking the food. She's doing the maintenance. She's on the radio. She is fucking running the show at that hotel. She's doing his job for him. Wendy Torrance is the CB operatrix of <laughs> our time. Thank you. Over. <laughs> My God. I. This is a, one of the biggest plot points that like I did not even remember. Slash one thing that stood out so much to me in this movie is that fucking Jack takes on the... He takes the job. Yeah. The family, the Torrance clan, is coming along for the ride, right? She's gonna cook and take care of them, like a wife does in the in 1980, whatever. And he's going to take care of the hotel and maintain it. And she ends up doing his job. In the book, even, he does the work. From what I remember, um, she... We never get any sequences of him maintaining or keeping up anything, doing any of the work that the man in the beginning, the supervisor, tells him. Like, oh, you know, checking the boilers, running the heat. She does all of that. hmm And he just treats it all as his fucking writing residency. Yeah. Um, yes. Here's what I think uh, what fascinated me this time is, like, also, yes, she's doing... The work she was going to do. And she's doing Jack's job for him while he's doing this writing. And I think it's fascinating that, like, you know, you you think about The Shining and every other read I've had, it's like, oh, he's a frustrated writer. He's a frustrated writer. All work and no play, blah, blah, blah. He's losing his mind. And here it's like watching it this time, we're given so little information about their life before they get to the hotel. Mm Mm-mm. We know he lost his job in Vermont, but we don't really know his teaching job, but we don't really know why. We don't know anything about his quote-unquote writing career, like, at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this just feels extra like a whim that he's doing, like something he's going to try. And then he, of course, turns around and blames her for all of his failures and everything. And it's just fascinating because it's not it's almost like he's not even a frustrated writer for all we know this could be the first thing he's tried to write like he's a hobbyist he's just a fucking loser right he's a fucking loser (laughs) and it's really tough 
I, this movie is really tough to watch because for like for me and for you, I'm sure, and for a lot of us, it's just hard to watch a movie where a man so clearly hates his wife yeah. from minute number one. Yeah. From minute number one. The whole movie is like abusive. It's not like sleeping with the enemy or something where you're watching, you know, a, a woman get the shit kicked out of her by her abusive husband. But it has that same feeling to it because he clearly hates her so much. Mm-hmm. Well, and even all, it doesn't help to knowing, well, we all know this, but knowing the the real life making of the film and how Shelley Duvall was so emotionally abused during the making of it. Yes. Doesn't help with that feeling either. Right. Yeah. I want to, we'll get into that. I think um, for sure, because I found some stuff online that I think is very interesting. Ooh. Yes. I started hack computer hacking. Oh yeah. Google. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I found some stuff. So, and, and, and I think that was something that to that end of of how hard it is to see her, uh, how much he hate despises her and just shits on her. But like seeing um, when we were waiting for our ramen, Jason brought he got so mad, and I was like, God, I'm so proud, I'm so happy I'm with you. But he got so mad, and he was like, Remember when he sang? You know, they're expecting me to finish this job, Wendy, and blah, blah. And he's like, you don't even do your fucking job. It's all her. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank you, Jason. Exactly. Yeah. And even just the casual, like when he's talking with Lloyd the bartender and he calls her the sperm bank. Uh-huh. It's just, I don't, I mean, I love that it ends up where it ends up and he gets what's coming to him and she gets away, et cetera, et cetera. But the journey is so tough. Yeah. Because, and also her innate kind of vulnerability or like her her ability to play that like she's just so kind you know and it doesn't mean she's weak it means she's kind and to just watch this woman who does you know loves her son more than anything but tries so hard and is so accommodating and so sweet um and is willing to uproot her life so that he has this chance Etc. Etc. To just watch her get shit on through the whole movie is really tough, and that's what honestly what took me back to looking at this role alongside her role in Three Women. Um, which, if for any listeners that haven't heard our episode on that or haven't watched it, you absolutely need to watch Three Women, especially yes, if you if you please. have any Shelley Duvall feelings whatsoever. If you're Shelley Duvall curious, please check it out. It's a perfect film, but. I kept thinking of how well she's able to capture capture that like bottled sadness. Yes. And in this film, she does that a lot in three. I mean, that's her entire character in Three Women. She's just walking denial. But in um in this, it's so it uh, it is such a rich layered performance. She is a real per. She is as real of a person as Jack Nicholson is a cartoon in this film, which I also want to talk yes. about, and I'm very confused yes. by that. But um, every time in the beginning with him, like calling and letting her know that he's getting the job, or her talking with the, oh, it broke my heart when she's talking with the therapist that she takes Danny to, and oh yeah, and yeah. she how she's like, well, you know how you know how it is, <laughs> um, yeah, as she's explaining the kid being beat by his dad and and having his arm broken she's so good at capturing this like this smiling hesitation 
Mm-hmm. And we know it just looking at her face, she's smiling and she's like excited about the overlook. And you know, you can read it on her face at the same time that she does not want to be there and that she is sacrificing for her family. Yes. Yes. She is, as an actress, she is super capable at doing surface and inner world at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's so subtle that I think people don't always pick up if you're not like especially maybe into watching people act or like looking for the small clues uh you know i think a lot of it flies under the radar well because it's it's so it's subtle i hate the it's subtle but also i hate the word authentic right because what the fuck is that especially in drama but like it's real right Mm -hmm. it's just so real that's how we exist as people yes (laughs) um do you know, did she do stage work? I don't know. I, I can't think there would be anything more compelling to watch than to see her act on a stage. And yeah. to see this come to life in front of you. But um, anyway, just everything that, all of that, all of that hesitation that she brings to this character. And and that's not even to begin with the picnic basket couture that she wears in the beginning. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think, and I think, you know, she spends the last third of the film crying, everything, and I think it brings out that same thing that I think I've talked about on this show. I know I've talked about it on Final Girl, which is how audiences react to a character who is scared. Thank somebody you. Like, somebody like Barbara in the original Night of the Living Dead. Like, we hate that weak one. Right. Or the one that we perceive as weak because they're scared and maybe they don't know what to do. And maybe they're not going to run and pick up a gun at the first sight of whatever. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to see that possibility for ourselves because we all think like, well, I'm smarter than these horror movie characters. I know what I would do in this situation. And it's like, bitch, maybe you would also be catatonic on the fucking couch. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't know. And when you look at, like, just because Wendy is crying and terrified, this is also like her husband. And she's just scared. And yet, what does she do? She hits him in the head with a fucking baseball bat, mm-hmm. drives, you know, drags his ass into the refrigerator and locks him in. Mm-hmm. That is incredible bravery, right? She gets shit done. She fucking <laughs> like she's gets done it the done. Entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think. For me, there's, there's, you know, people despise an actor who, um, they can despise that the fearful character that who isn't taking the action they expect, like you said. But I also think, uh, for me, a key, a key point to the feeling of fear as a viewer comes through with how well an actor is able to sell terror. Mm-hmm. And and I, I get that with Barbara. I get that with I mean say what you will about like the conjuring or James Wan, but in the conjuring there's that little girl who's so terrified of the demon in the room. Mm-hmm. And like that scene wouldn't work if her act if she did not genuinely seem one hundred percent terrified. That's what makes me scared. And in in The Shining, honestly, I was fucking bored. Um, all the way through this movie until the last seat couple sequences when it's mostly just Wendy versus Jack. Mm. And Wendy exploring the Overlook, and when when she starts seeing things in the hotel, mm-hmm. that's when it got scary for me. Yeah, and watching her reactions because she made it once again so real. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this the the famous scene of him, you know, breaking into the bathroom or whatever. And she like, has there ever been pure terror? Maybe like Marilyn Burns in Texas Chainsaw Massacre when she's tied to the chair at the fucking table. Mm-hmm. But how often do you see an actress so like just on a primal level? Mm-hmm. portraying abject fear and terror like he's br- mm-hmm. like i know here's johnny everybody there ah, ha, 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 and you know his face is like <laughs> the cover of the movie essentially or whatever he's breaking down the door with a fucking axe to kill his family to kill his family he's two feet away with an axe and he wants to use that axe on her and she fucking sells it and she's trapped. She's trying yeah. as hard as she can to get through that bathroom window because she's a fucking go-getter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's trapped and she knows her kid is running around out there in the snow by himself mm-hmm. and she's about to get it. Yeah. It's a perfect performance. And the idea that like, I mean, fuck the Razzies. Fuck, fuck like, you know, rewarding, but like bad, like... Uh, Fuck the Razzies is what I'm trying to she say. Was nomi- well, because she was nominated for a Razzie for this, right? Yeah. Which is one of the greatest... She might have won, but... Oh, the greatest bullshit of all time. Yeah. And that was the narrative for so long, is this is a bad performance. And I just don't have any patience for anyone who feels that way, period. It's funny how women in incredible roles that are misunderstood often um, mm. are winners or nominated for Razzies. Mm. Isn't, that, isn't misogyny fun? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love this. But I love her. I love there was a little dash of Millie Lamoureux, her three women character. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're walking through the hotel and they're taking the tour and she is yes. just wide eyed wonder when she says pink and gold are my favorite colors. Yes. It just was so yes. Millie. Shades of Millie. <laughs> I love that line. And the other my other like favorite moment is where she and Danny are running out of the hotel and they're going to go into the maze. For the first time and she says the loser has to keep america clean yeah <laughs> i love her so much don't you just don't you wish that when she drives away at the end you see a little you see part of her dress hanging out of the snow <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh i would love it oh god i don't know i still really I've never liked Jack Nicholson in this movie. I'm not, I don't really like Jack Nicholson in general. Um, He's not an actor that I'm particularly drawn to. I think he's pretty great in Cuckoo's Nest because I think that material aligned with his limitations as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, He's never really been a favorite of mine or anything. I found myself, as I, because I always thought his performance was batshit crazy in this. Um, and I found, but I liked him growing up. And as I watched this film, I asked myself, have, do I actually like Jack Nicholson? Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I do. I would have to reevaluate and watch more things. I agree with you on Cuckoo's Nest. Um, I don't know. Even like, I'm not a fan of, I, I know everyone loves that Batman, but I'm not a fan of his Joker. I'm not a fan of, I really don't understand this Jack Torrance or this take on Jack Torrance. Yeah. Um, which is why I didn't like the movie for the longest time to begin with was because, once again, I was a teenage Stephen King stan, uh, which is my um, pulp autobiography. And then I read The Shining and I was terrified by the book and I loved it. And then I watched the movie and I thought the movie just didn't 
understand any of it. Right. Um, so I get, I can get Stephen King being upset with sure that aspect. I don't understand Stephen King, his most egregious thing being Shelley Duvall, who is the best part of the movie. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was, I'm very confused by Jack Nicholson in this and how literally it's from the, I think it's from like, from the second the snowstorm hits or is coming, he's mm-hmm. just fucking full on gone. Yes, I think, well, even in the car on the way to the hotel, he clearly has a loathing for his family. Yes. I think I think the difference is, and especially from the source material, instead of it being like a normal family man or a troubled family man who descends into madness, it's like he starts out mad and is trying to, to like hold it together or like trying to keep up appearances of normalcy. But from the get-go... He's been this abusive, manic freak who just mm. bare, barely tolerates his family. Like, he's already there, and it's just like, what's going to remove the shell? And the hotel kind of just gives him permission, then, to be fully yeah. awful. Yeah. I can see that, yeah. That's that's the way I do it. And I, as far as his performance goes, it's like, I don't enjoy it, but also I'm like, knowing what a control freak, obviously, Stanley Kubrick was, this is obviously what stanley kubrick wanted but that's what i don't get i I don't get it either so i fully i i actually really appreciate the read you just gave that he just is a manic horrible person he embraces it thanks to the hotel and just fully goes for it and i could see kubrick pushing that or wanting that agenda but i just don't understand the amount of commitment and three-dimensionality that shelley duvall brought to it and that kubrick you know did his best to get out of her even though he didn't need to but like i don't see how that translates to the performance of jack nicholson like i'm like did he direct jack nicholson he i mean i think he pushed jack nicholson as hard as he pushed shelly duvall just about Hmm. he was as exacting with him i think i think he was he treated him better like let's be real shelly duvall was fucking ostracized on this set yeah everyone had to treat her like shit right and yeah but I think it was also arduous for Jack Nicholson. I think I'll get to it in, in my uh, computer hacking. There's some a little bit about it. Um, for me, the only scene that it really kind of clicks and his sort of manic persona works, etc., is the baseball bat scene on the stairs. That's, yes. that's the only scene where I'm like, he's r- so menacing and terrifying in that sequence. And the cuckoo-ness works. But otherwise, when it's like, oh, I'm a crazy, check me out, a waka waka, and he's like <laughs> wiggling his eyebrows and mugging for the camera, I'm just like, all right. It does know. a lot of crazy eyes. But yeah, the windy, my darling, light of my life. And that's yeah. just, that, that the, the, the power between the two of them is incredible in that scene. Yeah. yeah. And how much of it is because he's acting opposite Shelley Duvall, whereas so much of the movie is just him talking to the to Grady or... Right. Sitting and staring at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't go full Rebecca Gayhart through the whole movie. <laughs> Not even Rebecca Gayhart does Not that. Not even she Rebecca Gayhart. for the end. <laughs> yeah. You need to just like lightly sprinkle it in once in a while. And I think yeah, he does so that in the baseball bat scene. That's what I don't understand because technically this movie is perfect. 
Oh yeah. The cinematography is fucking gorgeous. The the I mean all the technical that this movie is a testament to technical mastery. Wendy Carlos that fucking score. Oh my god. Perfection. Thank you trans icon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legendary elder. Yep. Um amazing. Shelley Duvall's acting. Incredible. I mean Jack Nicholson, he's a he has a technique of his own that is very at use here. <laughs> but that's what that's what I don't get is that Kubrick used it so rigidly in in so many respects but it just really feels like it got away from everything with jack yeah so it's strange it's just very strange to me yeah it should have been reeled in yeah you know here's johnny shouldn't have happened no that's just embarrassing but when it works like that one sequence is all worth it uh i don't know i do still really love this movie it's not as effective for me as it used to be but i've Mm -hmm. always loved this movie and it really i think i you know i was young when i saw it it got to me and also i'm pretty easy wink wink (laughs) ladies (laughs) easy with the (laughs) easy (laughs) easy with the scares all I need is Danny riding down the hall and he stops and turns around and the, the forbidden door is open. And I'm oh, like, yeah. ooh, okay, I'm in it. Yeah. You know. And you don't get better than those Grady twins. No, you really don't. They're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> what a couple of creeps. <laughs> Dead British girls in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I still really love it. It still really works for me. It is beautiful. It's a very cold film, except for Wendy and Dick Halloran. Yeah. Oh, can we praise praise uh, the glory that is Catman Crothers? <laughs> He's perfect in this movie also. And I know that we like dip into magical Negro territory with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. But also... I love Dick Halloran. He's so kind. The scene where he's showing Wendy and Danny the kitchen and they're all talking and laughing and having fun is just like, it's beautiful. I love it. Oh. Like, he's a fucking cool-ass character. See, well, and he's only cooler when you get the cut to his bedroom. His timeshare or whatever it is. Oh, my God. In Florida with the artwork of those nude (laughs) women with afros. Yeah. It's just so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. I love him. But that's... Okay. I'm so torn with this movie because on one hand, it's kind of like The Brood when we, when you showed me that. Mm. And I saw one movie and then we talked about it and I saw a different movie. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, there's the movie, the art, the the movie with the dudes that annoyed me and Cronenberg talking about his feelings, and then there's the movie about this fucking badass woman just killing everybody with her spawn." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Okay, I'm in." <laughs> yeah. I I see this technically masterful gorgeous spooky little movie um that is has some unnecessary things i find unnecessary that annoy me and then i see this incredible film about a woman on the edge trying to deal with the bullshit of men in her life Mm -hmm. um and expectation and overcoming that um and becoming a hero for herself and and so i i am very torn but i think when i get mad at this movie though i get mad at Room 237. Uh, I get mad at... I don't... It just feels exploity when the full frontal new woman comes out and she's all hot and makes out with him. Yeah. Um, in the book, like, that scene was so fucking scary because all you see... It's just a hand behind a curtain pulling the shower curtain. And then you you need to run out of the room. And that was enough for me. 
Yeah. But like this dude fantasy, I didn't need that in there. Um, that, I don't know. Danny's annoying, so I'm just going to throw that out there. And then, but. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, I hate Danny so much. First of all, I love fashion plate Danny. Excuse me, <laughs> Anthony. This is where we fight. <laughs> this is, this is the end of the show. Fashion plate Danny. I will not hear a word against that icon. Excuse me. He dresses better than I do. I just don't like when he does the the finger. Well. <laughs> not a lesbian, are you? <laughs> um I've been trying. <laughs> yeah, you try so hard. Um no, I know what you mean. I love Danny. I think he's I think it's a great performance by little Danny Lloyd. I it is know. a yeah, you know, for some reason, as much as I love kids and working with kids, I hate so many kids in horror movies. Oh, they're usually so, they're usually like either cloying, like, Mr. Wade, the <laughs> employer. <laughs> you know, or they just, you know, they're not going to die. They're meant to be cute. But I love that Danny is kind of weird. Yeah. I love his relationship with his mother. How they are, they're each other's ride or die. Yeah, um, that's sweet. And those sweaters. You, how could you see that Apollo 11 sweater? The fashion is incredible. Yeah. I'm With the technical mastery, the fashion isn't... Wendy and Danny is incredible. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Sometimes I irrationally hate children. Like that kid in the ring. Sometimes I just hate children. <laughs> yeah. But I will say I do like Danny because Wendy likes him. Um. <laughs> If Wendy thinks he's cool, okay. If Wendy thinks he's cool, then I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I think for me, the other, back to Halloran, the other reason why this movie really upsets me, and I think it's just racist that Halloran gets killed, right? Right. Like, there is no Well, it's other supposed reason. to be shocking, but it's like you're the one person in the, except for Jack, who gets his comeuppance, you're the one person who dies. But I, and I guess that's right, because it's three of them. Somebody has to die. Why not right. the fourth person that shows up? It's just... I think, first of all, it's 1980. So now in whatever year this is, I refuse to speak its name anymore. I'm done. We're a week away from 2021. I'm done saying its name. Okay. Uh, You know, it was like, it's become a trope and a stereotype for a reason. Um, At the time, maybe. I don't know. It still, it sucks that, like, he goes through all of this effort. And maybe that's the great cosmic joke. He goes through all of this effort. The flights. Getting the snowcat thing. And the, you know, like, all of this. Only to walk into the hotel and get an axe in his chest in, like, three seconds. uh, It's, at the very least, it's a metaphor for visiting your family at the holidays. (laughs) Yeah. Hours traveling, layovers, all of it. You put on your face shield if if you're not a responsible person. And you go, you put on your mask and you go to the terminal. Yeah. That's what Tolerant does. And then he just fucking gets axed the second he steps in there. To me, it's, and I don't know, maybe this is shitty of me even to say, but I think the character is so kind, etc. It's like, yes, essentially, like, this black man still dies and the white family lives. But I find his getting there and trying to help them so much because we have seen his kindness Mm -hmm. and his affinity for them. And he feels a kinship with Danny and he knows Danny is a child that's in trouble and Wendy is also in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so he goes 
all out to try to help them. And this happens. Versus something like Alfre Woodard in Annabelle. (laughs) (laughs) Where they're like, oh no, we have a haunted doll. And she's like, I'll take care of it. Let me kill myself. (laughs) You have a nice day, white family. Like, to me, it's just those are two extremes. And it's still the same trope, essentially, right? And Annabelle was like 30 years later. (laughs) Exactly. Like, there's no excuse for it at all. But even just the context and the way it's executed are polar opposites. And maybe that's just me loving Dick Halloran so much that I'm like, but he was so nice. It still fucking sucks that he dies. Like, it's a shock. 100% with you. It's a shock he should have fucking lived. And... Not to continue to be that girl with my hard backs on the mantle, but she, (laughs) Dick Holler, she, Dick Hollerin lives in the book. Like, Mm. they show up, they blow up the hotel, they all get away, and then it ends with Wendy, Jack, and Dick hanging out, sitting on the pier in Florida, eating oranges. Danny. Did I say Jack? Yeah, probably not It's a Jack, different, right? it's a very different ending. They blow up Danny in the hotel because he keeps doing that hand thing. But my finger. Yeah, and then they become swingers and they move to Florida. <laughs> the state of the swingers. Yeah. But yeah, it ends with, yeah, with the three of them, Wendy, the kid, and Dick, you know, eating oranges. And I just want that, especially after all of this. Right. I want to see Shelley Duvall sitting there eating oranges with Dick and also operating a CB because she right. she's Because that's her, it's her new job. Yeah, she she works with Paris Hilton and they fix CBs <laughs> together <laughs> in Florida. Oh my god, my dream. That's what I want. So that uh, yeah. that part, those are my most, those are my main problems with those with the movie. But um, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's still just like really. We gotta kill Dick. I know that Jack has to kill somebody. In case we didn't know that he was crazy. They couldn't have, like, a the supervisor guy come back or something? Like, right. he shows yeah. up too with Dick or something? I don't know. I, I just got so mad. I got so mad. Totally agree with you. I guess, I mean, technically it ups the stakes. It, right. it gives Wendy and Danny a way to escape, but also it just feels racist. <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. I was very annoyed by that. But I um, agree. But then, but then you get Shelley Duvall in those last several scenes, and it's just, that's when the movie fucking comes to life for me, and I was just, Shelley Duvall, there's the Grady Twins, Shelley Duvall, there's the, the, <laughs> the furry blowjob. Yeah, with the assless butt thing. Yeah, then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me the... tell you, that went right over little Stacy's head. My God. I mean, I'm, I I think even as a teenager, we all went, what was that? And then yeah, we just what, kept watching the movie. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Why were those two stuffed animals kissing? (laughs) (laughs) The elevator of blood is fucking cool. The elevator of blood is fucking bitchin'. That still works for me so much. And I just love the, I mean, you mentioned Wendy Carlos, but we cannot stress enough how incredible her score is and how much this film depends on it. Like, her score is perfect for this. And I think the way Kubrick uses sound... And so just like, well, and everything will go silent sometimes. And just, it's, in, in a lot of ways, this film is just a Stone Cold masterpiece, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think that that score, and I mean, among the many ver- the many technical just wizard shows at hand, at hand in this movie, that score that's what brings the everything to life with the hotel mm-hmm. um, from the opening moments. Yeah, and it's yeah. there's something very disconcerting. Like, I mean, you know, she's the score hits you right in the face from the opening seconds of the film, and from I don't know if it's just what we're so accustomed to. There's something really disorienting about the titles coming up from the bottom of the screen. Yeah, yeah, and scrolling weird. up, it's. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that then the camera's like, whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Look at the <laughs> lane! <laughs> Woo! Trees! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I still uh, I still really do love it. I'm so... I am so... I literally feel like one of those teenagers that's like, I can't decide what my identity is. Like, I'm so <laughs> confused because I hate it. Teenagers slash me. I... I, I uh, I'm torn. I'm so torn. I am Natalie Imbruglia, and I am naked on the floor right now. (laughs) Nothing's fine. Nothing's fine. And Shelley Duvall is... All I know is Shelley Duvall is fucking legendary in this movie. Wendy Torrance is legendary. I love her. She's an icon. She's a queen. I stand her. Yeah. Um, 100%. She is the maintenance man of my dreams. And... (laughs) And the Wendy movie is the movie for me. And I love it. I love that movie. Yeah. And then I, I just, agree. I need to block out everything else, but, um. That's fair. But, yeah. Also, I say, like, given the state of the world for the last how long, I say, oh, these people had to be there for five months. Oh, my God. You, you lost your mind after two months, did you, Jack? Oh. When we, when we, when I popped this in, I was like, oh, wow, this is like a good pandemic. Because it just happens that I wanted to watch The Shining. It had nothing to right. do with it being wintry or the pandemic. Yeah. But I was like, oh, we're smart. This is like a good pandemic movie. And then, yeah, I had that same, <laughs> it was like, wait, four months in and they were crazy. Yeah. Although, have I had several instances of, you know, that shot of him when Wendy and Danny, or uh, Wendy and Danny are out in the hedge maze and he's like staring at them out the window. Uh-huh. He's got that, that's a nice sweater, his turtleneck sweater. And he's it's just kind of like, <laughs> staring at the window. I'm like... That's been me. Grammy. <laughs> That's been me Grammy and out looking at the neighbors. So. And your eyes do that same um, vacant yet menacing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My mouth is slack and open. <laughs> More stubbly. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up my computer hacking. Oh, yes, please. Because, you know, the narrative has become, whether it's true or not, like we all kind of know the state of Shelley Duvall today, right? Like there, I don't know any, none of us really know specifics. I didn't watch the Dr. Phil interview. I'm not going to watch the Dr. Phil interview. No, I don't, I can't bring myself to watch that stuff. No, nobody really knows what's going on, but there's some kind of mental illness at play, right? It seems, I say, without diagnosing anything. Well, yeah, but that seems to be the consensus. Right. The narrative has become that Stanley Kubrick did that. That he broke her so much with The Shining that this is the result of it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the creation myth of current Shelley Duvall. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's ever sat right with me, given things that she did afterwards. 
like fairy tale theater and nightmare classics and all of that came out well after the shining oh right we were talking about this you pointed out everything she did after that was like yeah. all her producing work and all her producing work etc so who knows why this is manifested or how this is manifested etc cetera, etc cetera, the timeline was she treated to put it mildly incredibly poorly on the set of the shining absolutely like, there's no question about that. If you watched Vivian Kubrick's behind-the-scenes documentary, you saw it for yourself. Like, she lost her hair. She was, like, losing hair. She was so stressed out. He treated her like shit, right? But I found this interview between Shelley Duvall and Roger Ebert from 1980. And there were some interesting things in it. Oh. That I thought were pro- maybe worth mentioning in the context of all of this. Oh, please. The, sh- the Shining Broke Shelley Duvall narrative. <clears throat> so, they she basically Roger Ebert went to her house. She hosted him for a while, and they had a conversation. So she says, um, because Altman is always like he put her in so many things, yeah, and was always like her star director, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so uh, she says that was such a physical ordeal making Popeye. She said, especially compared to a picture like Three Women, which was shot in six weeks in Palm Springs. For Popeye, I spent two months jammed down that ship's funnel, screaming my fool head off. Which is like, okay, so Robert Altman, like, also didn't treat her very well when he wanted to get something from her, right? Then she talks about The Shining. Going through day after day of excruciating work, almost unbearable. Jack Nicholson's character had to be crazy and angry all the time. And in my character, I had to cry 12 hours a day, all day long, the last nine months straight, five or six days a week. I was there a year and a month, and there must be something to primal scream therapy, because after the day was over and I'd cried for 12 hours, I went home very contented. It had a very calming effect. During the day, I would have been absolutely miserable, she sighed. Can you taste the oranges in this tea? Huh? (laughs) I love her! (laughs) So I thought that was interesting, but what really kind of grabbed my eye was this paragraph. About when she she was in Time Bandits, the Terry Gilliam film. Mm-hmm. So they're talking. She winced. Hold on, she said. Here comes that little pain again. It only comes about twice a week now and stays about two minutes. When I was in England after The Shining, I made a movie called Time Bandits for Terry, Gilli- Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame. And the scene called for six dwarfs to come crashing through the roof of a medieval carriage... But the dwarfs were a bit afraid of jumping off the scaffold, and Terry didn't think. He just jumped, and he weighs 180 pounds, and he landed on my head. (gasps) I could have been paralyzed. As it is, there's just a pain that comes through my ears to my eye, and then it goes away. I'm sure it can be fixed. (gasps) Stacy! And so who knows if that triggered something? Head injuries can absolutely trigger mental illness, depression, all of these things. I'm not, I mean, I'm just going off of a paragraph, but it's like no one talks about her receiving this head injury that was bothering her and still causing her pain all this time after. Who knows? This Stacy Dr. Oz scoop that we have right now. (laughs) I can't believe this. Well, and also did Shelley Duvall try to warn us all about Terry Gilliam? Right. Who we didn't know was an egregious shit until he got all weirdly MAGA. I knew he was an egregious shit because I know someone else who worked with him who said oh, he was a really? fucker. 
I had no idea. I mean, I fucking love so many of his movies. I had no idea he was a shit until recently. Yeah. Um. Wow. So I'm just saying we don't know the truth. We will never know the truth of what's going on. But uh, for the Stanley Kubrick caused it, I say, if you're going to go that way, then why not Terry Gilliam? Yeah. Also, I mean, did he treat her like shit? Yeah. But was he the reason that that all happened to her? Right. Hmm. That's that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's. I think Versus that's really here we have a, he- a head injury that was, you know. Well, and that she's sense. talking. It's true that in that interview, she's talking about how The Shining kind of was cathartic for her in a way. Mm hmm. At least that's how I interpret what she said about it. Yeah. And then versus she has like a physical tick of something that flares up in her mm-hmm. related to an injury from a movie that she names and she's, she traces exactly what happened to her and why. Mm hmm. Oh, man, that's dark. Yeah. So, wow. I just wanted to present that for the record, Your Honor. <laughs> Admitted. <laughs> Thank you. I guess my question, it's just... Who knows? It could just be, like, how her brain developed over her life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't yeah. know. That's the thing. But everybody's always looking for a cause, right? Because it was... We all know Shelley Duvall. We all know fucking fairy tale theater. All of this. And then yes. all of a sudden, it's like, what happened to Shelley Duvall? So it seems like there would everybody wants to pin that on something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think that's really interesting. And I I think I mean regardless of what it is, what the root is, you know, I just want her I just want her to be happy. <laughs> and I, I want, want her, her to be, be happy and I want her to be taken care of. I want her to be taken care of and I want her to be recognized as yes. I'm going to say it, the greatest actress of the 20th century. (laughs) All right. I love Shelley Duvall. I love Shelley Duvall. She's amazing. And also, I hope all directors everywhere, whether you're someone who seems to respect her but also puts her in shitty situations like Robert Altman or someone who recognizes her talent and puts her in shitty situations like Stanley Kubrick or someone who sits on her head and gives her maybe an (laughs) egregious injury uh, like Terry Gilliam. Um. Can we just treat our actors better? They are professionals. Thank you. They don't need it. They're, that's the reason you hire them is because they act. They yeah. can do it. Like Tony Collette said, she did Hereditary and got through it just fine because it's only a movie. It's a job. Yeah. Well, that that reminds me, you know, I'm uh, on Dece- uh, January 1st um, there's a podcast called The Evolution of Horror that I had the pleasure of guesting on yes I will be on that episode talking about Martyrs one of my favorite movies one of your favorite movies Anthony I love Martyrs um, and Martyrs is another case of this director is really shitty to his actresses yeah like I've watched all the behind the scenes stuff I could get my eyeballs on for martyrs. There's the whole incident in a ghost land thing. Yes, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Um, I have no desire to. But that actress suffered physical injuries. Actresses on martyrs suffered physical injuries. He's completely reckless with his actresses. Doesn't deserve to have actresses, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and it's unnecessary. That yeah. said, Martyrs is a fucking masterpiece. Well, that's the thing is sometimes it's not because of the 
what they do to the actors that the movie comes through is amazing. Yeah. I, I think it's in spite of what they do that the actors yes. still continue to be professional and come through as amazing. Yes. And sometimes they luck out that no one is egregiously murdered. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But you just so r- rarely see male actors getting pushed like this, right? No, no. And and, and that's my whole thing. <laughs> that's my whole yeah. thing with The Shining is when you look at Jack Nicholson's performance alongside Shelley Duvall's, there's different methodology at play. Right. And then culturally, how do we receive that? We look at Jack Nicholson, the wife wannabe wife murderer, and we love him and laugh at him saying, here's Johnny, and we call her a bitch and uh, ugly and we don't like her. Right. Yeah. So... We all have some soul searching to do. Justice for actresses. Justice for Shelley. Or justice for Shelley in particular. And all actresses who have ever had but to all work of them. With men. It just, yeah, it just infuriates me. Yeah. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. Well, we saw The Shining. We watched The Shining. It happened. It happened. You finally gave it another shot. I'm impressed. I, I gave it another shot. I said, maybe not for me, but I really respond to one thing in here and I love it so much. Yeah, that I, that's totally maybe, fair. Maybe I might love it in the future. I feel warm feelings happening for it, for, for her in this film. And maybe that will warrant more viewings. She's the anchor, right? 100. Like, she's what makes it real. It's something that would have worked for me when I, you know, as it did, seeing it as a a horror-crazed youth, right? The scary shit got to me, of course. Like, ew, that old lady's gross. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, but what has kept it in my heart is Shelley Duvall and that performance. Yeah. So you can't, you truly can't beat it. You just can't beat a Shelley Duvall role. No. Um, she's so incredible. I can't say it enough. I hope, I hope, I hope she gets that recognition more so in her life and not after. Right. Um, I love that would her. be nice. Yeah, that would be really nice. Stacy, have you ever seen this is Shining related? Um, have you ever seen that? What's that fucking? What's the document? What's is it a documentary? The two thirty seven movie, Room two thirty seven. What the? What I have, is that? No, I have not. It's it's a documentary about people who have crazy theories about that movie, right? Like Stanley Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing, and here's all the the clues that are in The Shining. What? Oh, wait. So this is like that thing that we hate, where people are like, "Here's how Phoebe is actually in all of the Pixar movies." And yes. <laughs> yes. This this is the thing, though. However, are we hypocrites? Absolutely. Because here I am. Did you see the in Suspiria when she blinked? <laughs> Yeah, but that means it's gay. <laughs> <clears throat> that signifies this, or as you've known off off the air, my current obsession of figuring out which women in uh, the K-pop girl groups are gay. This is my new detective agency I've opened <laughs> to, to find out which ones are the lesbians. It's a pandemic. I'm so bored. You are doing the work. But I'm doing the work. I have my my PowerPoint. Clippy is all fired up. I have my PowerPoint ready to go. Um, and when live shows can resume, I hope everyone will come. It's going to be so good. To my, It's not PowerPoint. It's a slideshow. <laughs> With a, full, a real slide projector. I have a slide projector. I also have an overhead projector. I've drawn <sighs> up some transparencies. Thank you. 
And, you know, I hope everyone will come and sit there and listen to me talk for two hours about why Irene of Red Velvet is gay. You know, after, like, what, we'll be at, like, 20 months in, inside at that point? (laughs) I think we'll all be ready for it at that point. Be like, anything, Anything. please. (laughs) I don't know any of the people she's talking about, but I'm going to listen anyway. sounds like such a blessing at this point honestly it does to just sit in a room together one day one day (laughs) one day one day day. we'll be back and we'll be live again yeah um well okay i'll never watch that 237 movie then i (laughs) no it's it's all i think it's all like see the pattern of the carpet that's the thing though i mean i'm a hypocrite because there are the movies that uh you know i mean you and i will get out the red string to prove every character is gay and a movie is about the gay struggle but but there's like there's investigative work for a purpose like when there's something to be learned this is true. versus there's like fan theories and QAnon where it's like someone's like but i have to prove the earth is flat even though it's obviously not yeah yeah do it the whole like stanley kubrick faked the moon landing feels a little different than like i think sarah and Susie are gay yes yes it's one thing, especially with gay goggles that are tuned to subtext. That's all we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you can't give up that habit. Like, Pizzagate and Wayfair cabinet <laughs> human trafficking is one thing. Like, that's <laughs> that's just, you're wasting my fucking time. But I forgot about Wayfair. The Wayfair human cabinets. <laughs> Get a $30,000 cabinet named Rebecca. But, um, but that... <laughs> That's a fucking waste of everyone's time. It's a waste of time and it ends it gets us in a shitty situation politically. It's dangerous, yeah. But a, a, which K-pop idols are gay? Now that's going to help expand my queer universe. Thank you. So no, Stacy. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you know, it's just the gay agenda. It is the gay that's agenda. That's all I'm doing. Okay, Stacy. next up on our gay agenda, are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? Oh, I've been waiting for this. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh wow. That was very <laughs> to the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for once. The chopping block. It's a game. It is a game. It's our incredible game show portion of the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a trivia game. There are three categories that someone has to choose from. Each category has five questions. You place your head on the chopping block. Our non-binary executioner, the heads they readies their axe. Ready to chop your head off. Uh, If you take too long, you have 10 seconds to answer the question. Or if you get it wrong, you get your head cut off. However, you do have one lifeline. And that is (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis's wig (laughs) from the 1981 film (laughs) Halloween 2. If your head is on the block and you don't know the answer and you need more time, you call out, I want the wig. The wig manifests on your head. The head's they is confused. You get 10 extra seconds to answer that question. If you get all five questions correct, good for you. If you lose, 
too bad. Next person's turn. Goodbye. <laughs> if you win, nothing happens. If you lose, you are dead. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way all games should be. It really should. It just the Olympics. A... <laughs> Raise the stakes. It just makes that's everything more fun. Right. Exactly. Now I don't remember who went first last time, and I don't care. Sure. So you decide who goes first this time. Well, who asks? Who answers? You know, um, um, me. <laughs> ask me questions first. I ask you questions yeah, first. Yeah, I'm feeling a, I'm feeling all edgy. You know, I'm feeling. Okay. I'm gonna live on the edge, live dangerously. Okay, you have three categories to choose from. One category is new. Oh. One category we've seen before, but there's a new question in it. Oh, okay. Uh, and the other one, whatever. Okay, category <laughs> one is Irene from Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> I give you a clue and you tell me whether or not she's gay. No, I'm just kidding. Category one is slashers. That's all I called it. <laughs> Wait, is that the full category title? That's the category title. That is slashers, so that's unlike all I me. It? It's just called slashers. <laughs> Wow, that is that. There is no beauty parlor brain anywhere near that title, Stacey. You know what? I I know, I know. I honestly think it was the first category I ever thought of, and so the idea of being creative didn't occur to me clearly. <laughs> uh, so I ask you slasher-based questions. You answer said slasher-based questions. Okay. All right. The next category is brand new. It's called Irene from Red Velvet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's called, hello, who's calling, please? Uh, in which I will give you a line from a telephone-based scene in a horror movie. You tell me the movie. Oh, shit, the bed. Yeah. And the final category is Irene from, now, no, just, another, just another joke. <laughs> category is if i could be her for just one day clearly this is all about irene from red velvet (laughs) nope it's about characters from two different movies that have the same name now they are not the same character so you can't say oh alice from friday the 13th and alice from friday the 13th part 2 you cannot say a character from a film and the film's remake these are different characters with the same name I give you the movies, you give me the character. Or should I give you the name and you give me the movies? That's up to you. Oh, Jesus. Either seems sadistic. Yeah. So your categories are... Slashers. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, who's calling, please? And if I could be her for just one day. Oh, these these are really good. Um... I mean, except for that lackluster title of the first one. <laughs> I know, it's so embarrassing. I <laughs> Remember when we were, like, young and new? Um, okay. Um, I, you know, I. it feels, it actually might be the most challenging, but it seems that voice just gets me. Can, I would love to go for, hello, who's calling, please? <laughs> okay. And try my hand at that. Try my, my, my rotary dial at that. 
All right, so I will give the name. I will do my best. Now, this is not going to be Woman of a Thousand Voices level work. Damn! But I will try to imitate the line from the movie. You tell me the movie. Okay. And you're just doing a phone line, a line from a phone yeah. call. This will be this is a scene of two people probably. <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers. Two people probably talking on the phone in a horror film. So nobody's having a call with like a stapler or anything. Maybe. Oh. Are you imitating gonna... two people? No, I'm imitating one of them. Okay. <laughs> I'm imitating one of them. You tell me the movie. Okay, I think I got it. All right. All right okay. Okay. Question one. Irene from Red. <laughs> <laughs> you got my heartbeat all going. Do that to me. I'm playing. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm in Waco. <laughs> Okay. okay, question one. <clears throat> you tell me the movie. Do you like scary movies? Uh, the Scream. Yes, ding, ding, ding. I got it in my head because I was like, well, technically that could be Scream 2 as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good ghost phase. Number two. I'm going to kill you. Uh, uh, someone's watching me? Oh! It's Black Christmas. Oh! 1974. Oh, you know, just... I was going to say, ring, ring, hello, pretty piggy cunt. <laughs> All the girls there are pretty piggy cunts. That's what you wrote on your Christmas cards this year. That's yes. Dear pretty piggy cunt. <laughs> but I did not I thought that'll be too easy. And so I went for you know how it's like <laughs> and everybody's like, what the heck? And then he just goes, I'm going to kill you. And he hangs up. Oh, motherfucker. And that's when you get real scared. Oh fuck. God damn it. Well, well, that was fun. It was fun. I thought maybe you would call out Irene from Red Velvet. I least, should have but... called out. That was the secret <laughs> lifeline where you let me go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am just ashamed that I didn't get Black Christmas, especially on this seasonal Christmassy holiday week. Well, it was a, it was a little tricky of me. Would you, if I had said, pretty big guns. Would you have got it? <laughs> I think I would have just been stunned <laughs> into submission. Well, I'm stitching my head back on. Stacy, prepare to place thy head upon the block. Uh, my head has been placed. Uh, wonderful. I have three categories for you. Two are new. One <gasps> is a refresh. Um, and it is a refresh because you died after the first question last time. And I thought... <laughs> What? Which that's an Ant- you pulled an Anthony. I'm not making fun of you. That's a, something I always do. This time I made it to number two. I'm making fun of me. <laughs> it was a terrible showing. <laughs> Kelly, who has not called me this so whole she, time. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh well. Did you see on my Instagram? You saw that, right? 
Wait, did she comment? No. But she posted my art from... She uh, posted your art! It's amazing! From Death Count! From Death Count, the picture of her character. If Listen, if you haven't listened to last week's or last whatever's episode, and you heard the Kelly Who story, then you know Kelly what I'm Who talking about. Chronicles. The Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Who Chronicles by Gaylords of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, after we recorded, the, or after I edited the show, and I was like, Kelly Who, what's she been up to? I looked at her Instagram and I saw that she had posted my artwork from Speak Death of the Count. Devil. Speak of the Devil. Anyway. It's so cool. It's really cool. She's obviously a goddess. Thank you. A queen. A queen. Love Kelly Who. Yeah. So, um, in honor of that less than stellar showing last week. <laughs> I was trying to distract. <laughs> Well, I will continue to remind you of your failings. <laughs> in honor of this, I have refreshed last week's category. Also in honor of, and in conjunction with this week's showing, uh, mm. we are bringing back alcoholic male writers in Maine. Oh, yeah. Um, it's all about Stephen King films, not necessarily about alcoholic male writers in Maine, because as Jack Nicholson shows, who cares? Um, and then our two new categories we have with very special guest star... <gasps> Which is about uh, cameos oh. or role, small, small roles from much actors who are much larger than the film they're appearing mm. in. Um, I describe the actor and their cameo appearance, and you name the film. <gasps> and then our last category, our last new, new category, is also a holiday theme. It is non-denominational, gender, non-specific holiday event <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> And this is all about uh, holiday-themed horror movies. You name the movie as described. So your categories are Alcoholic Male Writers in Maine, With Very Special Guest Star, or Non-Denominational Gender Non-Specific Holiday Event Spectacular. (sighs) Well, my heart leans towards the cameos. My heart leans towards that, but I feel that it is the holiday season, and so I say I should do the spectacular, but I don't feel confident at all in holiday-based horror movies. There are so many I have yet to see. But why not? I can't do any worse than I did last week. This is true. <laughs> and so I say let us celebrate the saison. <gasps> Let's do the, that one, the tumbler. A non-denominational gender non-specific holiday event spectacular? (laughs) Also known as the Tumblr. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that one. (laughs) All right. Put on your Santa your non-denominational elfin hat. Already on. Hello. Um, Okay. All right. Question one, Stacey. Are you ready for this? Um, Yes. I think you're going to get these. Question one. Now, remember, you name the film. Oh, God. Question one. Oh, Santa flies off to the North Pole in his van at the close of this Yuletide video nasty. (laughs) Christmas evil. I know that one. Ding, 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 ding. That was as portrayed by one Mr. Apple, Fiona Apple's Mr. Apple. That's right. That's what the credits say. They scroll up from the bottom of the screen and say Mr. Apple in Christmas evil. Um, Question two. And well done, well done. We're warming thank up. You, Question you, two. A perennial classic was remade twice, but the first remake featured what slightly different title? 
Black Xmas. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, all right. Uh, well, now, the wording, was... that one was a tough one. So that was well tough. Done. That was tough. Thank well you, Brian. Yes, because okay. it was Black Christmas, Black Xmas, and then Black Christmas that I wish I hadn't seen. Uh, haven't, okay. haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. There's a statue, we, I know. We might have to watch it for the haunted oozing statue. <laughs> Which is... They leave tributes of, like, diva cups to the statue. Well, if it's oozing. And then, and then oh, my, throw in a heart transplant and Michelle Yeoh and I. <laughs> if oh, they shit. combined those two movies, it would be the one perfect film. Uh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Question three. Tony Collette's in this one, so you know everyone's going to die. Or end up trapped in a snow globe like Insane Elsewhere. Is that Krampus? I haven't seen Krampus. Ding, 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 ding. It does I knew she star. did it, though. Ooh. It does star Tony Collette, who arguably gets to do nothing in it. Okay. <laughs> we are on to question four, Stacey. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, question four. This merry romp opens with a Christmas dinner massacre featuring Fran Drescher, Chris Kattan, James Kahn, and Rebecca Gayhart. What? What fucking Battle of the Network stars <laughs> bullshit? Do I need the wig? What the wig? I don't know it, though. Um, uh, I don't know. Fucking... Whatever. Who cares? Everyone dies at dinner time. <laughs> it's <laughs> <happening>. <laughs> I get so irritated when I don't know. That is the title of the film. <laughs> <laughs> what a lucky guess. No. Fran Drescher, Chris Kattan, James Conn, and Rebecca Gayhart are all slaughtered. At the beginning of Santa's sleigh. Oh, the correct answer really? was the correct answer was Santa's sleigh, which I believe stars that Goldberg. Um, yeah, that's the, why I didn't know when. That's the only person I knew from that. If you had said Goldberg, I don't Stan- know Goldberg, but I know Goldberg is in the Santa sleigh. But I never knew about Fran Drescher. <laughs> it's literally the opening. It's an it's an incredible film. <laughs> Shit, I probably would have watched it if I knew she was in it. Right? I mean, she, another legendary queen right there. Yeah. Well, I'm dead. You made it to four. I made it to four, which is much farther than I thought. And I would like to say that there is an upside to all of this. Yes. Which means that there is no movie called Everyone Dies at Dinner Time. (laughs) Which but means there could be a movie eventually <laughs> called Everyone Dies at Dinner Time. <laughs> I would love to watch Everyone Dies at Dinner Time. That's a Gaylord's film. <laughs> I get so irritated when I don't know the answer. It's really upsetting, right? Because when you just when you know you don't know, yeah, and there's and nothing it, you can do, and you have you you have to do the wig just to bide the time. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, I just can't remember what that thing or that actor's name or whatever. It's no, just like it, you just don't know. And knowing you don't know is the worst. It's the worst feeling. So In front of all of our tens of fans. Uh, you know, all three people listening to this. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> it's very shameful. We <sighs> undergo trauma weekly. 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 Heart palpitations. Weekly. We are weak. 
Yeah. Um, our knees are weak. Oh, well. Very exciting. That's, uh, well, that's Gay Lords of Darkness. I don't know. Are we doing an episode next week? I don't know. They can do New Year's by themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, holy shit. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you to everyone who listens to the show. You can subscribe on iTunes or whatever. Subscribing or rating us or whatever helps us get in front of more ear holes. I think that would be a fantastic Christmas gift to the gay lords is leave a little iTunes review. Sure. At least rate us, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Rate. That would be helpful. And then that makes, I think, doesn't that make algorithms do a thing so more people find out or something? This is, yeah, the, according to Apocrypha, they say that uh, it'll get you in front of more eyeballs the, and ear the holes. The mystic texts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's true, and I really hate being like, oh, rate us and review us. But, I don't know. Do I even care if we get more listeners? I don't know. We care if more people listen to us talk about Shelley Duvall. We care about that. That's true. And spreading the gay agenda, of course. Yes, spreading the gay agenda. Uh, Stacey, think of all the more people that you could have on the case helping you collect evidence on Irene from Red Velvet. (laughs) This is true. I have quite a dossier. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, gaylordsofdarkness.com. That's our website. Where, where you can... Huh? Well, where you can do so many things, including link to all of our social media. Yeah, all our social media is on there if you want to find us on social media. And um, you can go to our shoppe, the ye old Gaylord shoppe, and you can purchase our new briefcase woman shapely sticker which is designed by our pal merle at pinsploitation yes i do enjoy someone uh on our facebook a new listener hello new listener commented and said who is the briefcase woman (laughs) like they bought a sticker or something and they were like who is the briefcase woman that i bought a sticker of and it's crazy (laughs) to me that we have no answer for that your guess is as good as ours yes she's our mascot that's all we know (laughs) (laughs) so um so find us there um or don't whatever who cares happy holidays it's christmas it's christmas time so see you later you pretty piggy cunts Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.